Hi, my name is Steve Warren, and I want to welcome you to this podcast. I'm believing today you'll be filled with faith, you'll be energized by hope, and you'll feel loved as this message seeks to transform and empower your life. God bless you as you listen to this. Really deeply, Lisbon, I missed you. Couldn't wait to get back. So uh, we're going to just show you a video which introduces this uh, series. If you were here last week, you would have seen it, but good for us to remind ourselves. So thanks, guys. Let's uh, play that. Welcome to this series, Emoticon. Uh, you know, uh, we've learned nowadays to communicate with each other using emoticons. It's emoti-convenient. It's uh, emoti-conversations. Sometimes it's emoti-confusing. It's all right, it won't get worse. Uh, but it can be confusing when you're trying to interpret what someone is saying through a symbol. You know, life is the same. We communicate through emotions very often. What we say is filtered through emotions of joy, maybe frustration, maybe anger or anxiety. And yet, uh, it's much better if we could filter uh, through emotions that are positive and a blessing to people. So, we're talking about not allowing our emotions to lead us, but for us to manage our emotional world. Because in Jeremiah 17.9, it says, The heart is deceitful amongst all things. That is to say, we cannot trust that our emotions are correct. In fact, Jesus said this. He said, I want you to listen to this so that my joy may be in you and you may know the fullness of my joy. That is, we should be filtering our emotions through him and allowing his joy to dominate. You know, we live in a society now where we're much more aware of the importance of mental and emotional health. Uh, all of us at certain times would be subject to uh, anxiety, anger, disappointment, and the need to try and stay on top of those mental health related issues. It's something that we all may struggle with even at the best moments in life. I don't know how many times I've gone home from church on a really good Sunday after a great service, and yet in my mind I have self-talk saying, well, we could have done that better. I could have said that. We should have done this. How many times do we walk through life with self-talk that is self-defeating? Uh, and so let's be honest and real in this series because mental health and emotional health is going to be about positive self-talk. It's going to be about being open to others about our emotions. It's going to be about living a lifestyle that feeds healthy living. So we're covering the topic of anger management. We're talking about overcoming anxiety. We're talking about overcoming disappointment. And we're going to talk about the channel through which those things are communicated, our tongue managing our tongue. I know you're going to be blessed. I know your life will be empowered in this series. Beautiful. Give it up for Pastor Steve. Okay. We're going to look today at um, what I'm calling Tame the Fire, uh, which is managing anger. Uh, I think for every one of us, whether you're at the uh, aggressive end of the anger scale or the more passive end, it's something 
that we'll all struggle with at some point. Uh, so just so that you know you're in good company, let me read you these statistics. These, these are British statistics, but I don't suggest that the Brits are any worse than anybody else. I would think that's true of all of us. Uh, and it goes like this. 45% of us regularly lose our temper at work. Who would that be here? <laughs> all right. Uh, I don't know where they get these statistics from then. 30, 33% are not on speaking terms with their neighbor. 25% have committed an act of road rage. All right, all right. I might be in that 25%. 50% have reacted to a computer problem by hitting it, throwing parts of it around the room, or screaming or abusing your colleagues about it. Yes, that's half of you. 32% have close, uh, close friends or family who have trouble controlling their anger. 20% have ended a relationship or a friendship because of the behavior of someone when angry. 28% worry about how angry they feel at times. Here's perhaps a more concerning uh, number, and that is 13% of those who say they've got an anger challenge, uh, only 13% have sought help for it. Uh, so in a sense, this morning is about us being in an environment where we all get a chance to uh, get help. So this is group therapy here today. James chapter 1, verse 19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and be slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We should, become, we should be slow to become angry. Who thinks that's a good idea? Let's look at James for a minute. James was a brother of Jesus. I want you to picture this scenario uh, for a moment because if there's any environment which can cause us to get uh, uh, frustrated or can draw the worst side out of us, it can sometimes be uh, our family. It's where we let our guard down and particularly amongst uh, siblings. And so here we go. James is sitting around the table with his brothers, which includes Jesus, the older brother, the first brother. And, uh, and they're sitting there, and Mary, their mother, goes to James. James, why don't you just say grace for a minute? Pray over the food before we eat. And so James does. He, he goes, oh, well, Jehovah, we thank you for this meal right now. We pray you bless it. Bless mom, beautiful mom who prepared this. Amen. Then the next day, Mary goes to Jesus. Jesus, your turn. Why don't you pray for the meal? And so Jesus goes, I'd love to, Mom. I pray that I would bless this food and my mom in my name. Amen. Now, there's younger brother James sitting there getting a little irate about his older brother's seemingly overinflated ego. Uh, and, and so this, this frustration begins to fester. But it only gets worse because the family one day begin to uh, go to visit Jesus. He's left home now, and uh, he's in his group. He's got his uh, disciples around him, and he's busy teaching his group. Uh, and the family turn up and send message to Jesus that they're there. And now James would have been okay if the response was, uh, well, look, I'm busy just at the moment. Give me 20 minutes, and I'll be out, and we'll go out and do something. But that wasn't the message the message was, uh, go tell them that I've got a new family now. These people sitting here are my new family. Now, that was just one straw too many for James. He, 
begins to uh, get fired up on the inside, so irritated over years of Jesus' sort of overinflated sense of who he was, and he lets rip. He's saying all sorts of stuff. You bleepity, bleepity brother. He's letting it all out. That moment where, you know, the, the volcano just erupts after years of trying to keep it in, he lets it out. And then a little while later, we read what he writes here. He says, brothers, every one of you needs to learn to be less quick to speak and less quick to, go, to be angry. What, what happened in between? There was a moment where James had had an encounter with who Jesus really was, not just as his older brother, but gets a revelation that Jesus really was the Son of God and was here to transform and change lives. And James makes a decision to surrender to him and give his life to him. And he becomes embarrassed at that moment. He becomes embarrassed at his behavior as he has flashbacks, as his, at, at, at his irrational outbursts. And, and he confesses, he says, God, help me. Help change me from the inside out. And no surprise then that he writes this, urging people, don't do that which you will quickly regret. And I think for all of us, anger is one of those things we know no good can come of it. We'll only regret those outbursts. I remember a few years ago, I was sitting in a meeting, uh, a planning meeting, and I'd begun to get a little frustrated with the situations we were discussing. And in this particular meeting, I let it boil over. I hadn't dealt with it. Notice, things that are undealt with will always find a way out. Somehow, some way, if you don't deal with the root, there will be fruit, whether that's good or bad. And it just boiled over, and I lost my temper. I laid into that group. And uh, to make it worse, I then got up and walked out, thinking like my job was done, told them what I think of them, and, and I walked out. Uh, probably the worst thing you can ever do in a moment of conflict is to walk away from it. You disempower people to be able to resolve it in the moment. So I certainly learned from that. But it took me a number of phone calls, face-to-face uh, uh, meetings to reconcile that situation and took me probably a few months to have to build the trust again with those people. It's just takes a moment to lose it, but it can take weeks, months, or years to build the trust again. And so I want to encourage us all in this setting here this morning, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you at the end of this message, but that we, that, that we reflect on, on where we're at and we let the Holy Spirit deal with the source of the issue of anger so that we don't get into those situations like I was in where I instantly regretted it and had to repair it. So I want to give you three things or three reasons why you lose your temper and then three things you can do to control that temper. So I want you to write these down. Three things that will cause you to lose your temper. The first is this, a misplaced identity. Now for some reason, James had begun to acquire this thought that he was the lesser brother and that Jesus was the favored one. Mary favored Jesus over all the others. Wasn't Jesus the one who could do no wrong? And James, uh, yeah, James began to let it get to him. He, he began to misplace his identity. He began to misplace who he was in the grand scheme of the family. You know, if you break a bone and go to the doctor and the doctor's trying to find out where it is, he's going to press different parts of your body, and when he touches that bit that hurts, what do you do? Ah! That's 
sort of what happens when you've got a misplaced identity, when something just touches the nerve, you let something out. A misplaced identity can cause us to lose our temper. The second thing that caused you to lose your temper and has caused you to lose your temper is unmanaged expectations. And that is that we place expectations on other people. We place expectations on, uh, on the world around us, on life situations uh, that are unfair to place. We place expectations on our spouse or on our children and, and, and we expect them to deliver on the goods. We expect them to deliver to the performance expectations we have for them or the values that we have. We expect them to live up to those values too and then when they don't, that sense of frustration or disappointment can begin to fester and we can lose our temper over it. Unmanaged expectations. The third thing that causes you to lose your temper is uh, you've been conditioned that way. So maybe you've been raised in a family that has not been good at managing temper. Uh, and so what you're doing is you're mirroring behavior. You've seen modeled to you that others have got really angry with you. And now that's the behavior you know. And so you reflect that on others. That is, you've been conditioned that way. The, the three things that will help you. And this is not rocket science. What will help you deal with misplaced identity? Find your security in who you are. So write this down. First thing is find your security in who you are. Be secure about who you are. Probably the greatest example we have in the Bible of the consequence of misplaced identity is Saul, King Saul. He was the first king of Israel. He was described as being tall dark and handsome. This man had everything going for him externally. He had command and control. He should have at least had command and control, which is why everyone voted for him to be president and not somebody else. We want him to be king. Surely he would make a king. He's intimidating. Well, that's what he looked at, looked alike from the outside, but that was not how he felt on the inside. On his coronation day, on King's Day, uh, they are about to crown him and he is not to be found anywhere. He's hiding in some shed somewhere because something on the inside says, I'm not up for this. I cannot reflect their expectations. I, I'm not the man they think I am. He was small, big on the outside, but small on the inside. Nothing had, uh, he had not allowed something to shape who he was and who he really was. He was not a king internally. Somehow he managed to lead for a while until one day he found himself following uh, a boy called David on Instagram and all he could read in, Instagram, in the Instagram feed about David was, oh, he's a beautiful worshiper. He spends time in the mountains. He can't do anything wrong. He's a man of war. Everybody he goes out and fights, he overcomes. And so this jealousy begins to appear in Saul uh, anybody ever had that on an Instagram feed? Like you, you're faced with who you are when you look at the uh, representation, external marketing of who somebody else thinks they are and their presentation of themselves. And he's looking at David and he goes, well, the only way I'm going to deal with this is keep my enemy close. So he's now labeled David his enemy. Why? Just because of jealousy. We've got to be careful, haven't we, to not allow our emotions to filter uh, our, our thoughts about others through. One of the confessions I make every day is, I think the best about others.
Because I love people. Why do I have to say that? It's because I don't always love people and I don't always think the best about others. So I confess it every day. I love people and I think the best about them. Because I need to filter through my emotions and the reasons why I may think someone is an enemy when they could be my best friend. I need to filter my emotions through what is true, not as what is perception. And so Saul had made this mistake. He had labeled David an enemy, got him into his palace, and plotted to kill the man. Nothing he did seemed to work. And uh, if you've read the story, you'll see that all through the attempt that Saul did to try and get at David, David kept on forgiving Saul, kept on honoring Saul, and as a result, eventually became king himself. Saul's downfall was in his inability to deal with that misplaced identity on the inside. See, if you don't deal with your root, the fruit will appear. It's so important that we find out who we are. The truth is this, and I, and I, I will just pray this over you in a, in a little while. That you are a unique, chosen individual by God. In Christ, you are accepted, forgiven. You're a champion of champions. You are not here by accident. You're here on purpose. You have no reason to compare yourself to another. There's no one like you. We need you to be you. God needs you to be you. He doesn't need you to be a copy of somebody else. That role is already taken. You don't need to be a rep replication of some other person. You just need to be who he's made you to be. Here's a little thought for you. If anxiety is about how you see God, I'll touch on that in two weeks' time, talking about anxiety, uh, we get anxious because we don't see God in the right way. If anxiety is about how we see God and disappointment is about how you see others, I'll touch on disappointment next week, it's about how we see others, then anger is about how we see ourselves. One of the greatest ways to overcome that temptation to lose your temper is to be secure in who you are. The second thing is this, learn to see the world through different eyes. Now, this is a big deal in our society because our society is, 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 is sort of a, a self-centric society that uh, the world serves to, lives to serve me uh, and that I, I, I have certain rights that the world is meant to deliver to me. Uh, and if, I, if it doesn't, it, it, will, it will frustrate me, make me mad. And so we come into this world thinking that we're owed something. We come into this world thinking that the relationships should feed me something, that should deliver me something. And for as long as you think like that, you're going to be sowing the seed of temptation to, to anger over and over and over again as the world will constantly disappoint you, as friends will constantly disappoint you because you've come into it with the wrong mindset. I want you to switch that worldview for a minute and think, my role in this world is to come and give. My role in this world is to give into relationships, is to give into society, is to give into the world around me. Therefore, now life cannot be unfair because life has got nothing to deliver to me. What is the common cry of people around you? That was unfair. That was a, well, things are only unfair if you're expecting something different. But if you're not expecting anything, if you're not expecting your company to do this thing for you or that thing for you, or if you're not expecting your spouse to do this for you or that for you, because you're coming to give, as long as I live in integrity, 
doesn't matter what my company does, as long as I'm living in integrity, as long as I'm loving others, doesn't matter what my friends do for me, as long as I'm loving them, as long as I'm giving to them, as long as, therefore, I've got no measure on which to be disappointed or for life to be unfair. You're getting this? Let's come into the world with a different worldview, and then you won't be feeding yourself with that thing that causes you to want to explode in, uh, in losing your temper. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 9 says this, be not quick in your spirit to become angry. What is that saying? Show self-control. Rein it in. So write this down. I'm going to give you some top tips on how to be a person of self-control when it comes to the temptation to lose it. First is this. Think before you speak. Someone needs to hear this right now. Think before you speak. Don't speak before you think. Think before you speak. Once you're calm, then express your anger. So calm down first, and now talk it out. One of the greatest things that will keep you in a place of emotional health is to have someone you can offload to. If you're not in a group, I urge you, get in a group. Get some good friends around your world. You don't need to be sharing your emotional world with all of them, but you, only, you just need one or two people to be able to open up to. One of the tragic statements of King David we've just been reading about is he, say, he says this in one moment. He says, I look to my left and I look to my right and I found no one who could take care of my soul. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he takes three of his closest friends with him in his most pressured moment, most stressful, emotional moment. He looks back and all they could do is sleep while he is having to suffer the thought of going to the cross. What do we need? We just need some good friends who are going to stand with us, who we can share our life with and, and, and let them know when we're feeling like we need our emotional world to be supported. Now, that doesn't mean you go and grumble to them all the time, right? If you've got a friend who keeps grumbling to, the, to you, then be a good friend back and tell them to shut up and stop it, get over it. Don't be a three-year-old, get over it. You're bigger than that. This isn't the person I know. Stand up, be a man, be a woman. Stop messing around. Sometimes you need a friend who's going to tell you just to get over it. It's good for us. Too many people say, don't, don't go telling someone just to get over it. Be a little nicer. No, you just sometimes need to get over yourself and get over it and have a good friend tell you, get over it. Forgive them. Move on. Leave it behind. We need good friends in our world. Other top tips. Take a time out. Yes. Stick with the I statements. Not you should or you didn't, or, but rather I. I, I will. I, I will do for you. Make it something you can change. Use humor to release the tension. Have a great laugh. My sons feed me daily almost with memes and videos that are like the med my daily medicine. I don't need to pop any pills because I just pop the memes and have a laugh and I'm, I'm all good. Thank you, Ben. Humor. Laugh around the dinner table. Have, have some fun. Reduce the tension. Finally, the third thing you can do to manage your anger is to recondition your world. 
Make sure you're dislodging the foothold by learning to forgive. Listen to this. Proverbs 19.11 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. Ephesians 4.26 says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. That is, learn to forgive and learn to forgive quick. Learn to let go. Condition your world where anger doesn't fester. Condition your world whereby your heart is in a place that is lighter, that is free of those tensions. Well, thank you for listening today. I want to take a few more moments of your time because it may be today you realize that you need to get your relationship right with Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never asked him into your life before. Or maybe for some reason you've been you've been moving away from him. And today I want to invite you to come back to him. Or it may be that you're just not sure you're going to heaven. And so I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And I would really love for you to say this prayer with me. And then straight after this prayer, I would love you to do something for me. But hey, let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he died for me. I ask that you would forgive me. I turn away from my past and I give you my life. Come and live in me. I thank you that today I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you prayed that prayer today, the Holy Spirit has done something in your life. And so I want you to tell us about it. I want you to email info at c3amsterdam.nl and let us know you've made this decision and let us have your address because I'd love to send you a book that will help you make this decision really strong and become a follower of Jesus. And we'll also be able to help you get planted in a church near you. God bless you.